Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. So let's take a look at some of the things going on in the world, and then we're going to talk about school safety today or physical safety in your building, workplace violence, because this is a, a growing danger uh, for everybody. And it, it, no matter what we do, we can't seem to put the brakes on it. Uh, but there are some things we can do. There are things you can do to secure your environment. And we're going to talk about them as part of our get together today. All right, so let's see. San Francisco District Attorney has been recalled. Right? Apparently, it's a 60-40 overwhelming rebuke of uh, Chesa Bodine and his, uh, you know, pro-criminal type of a thing. So let, let's, let's think about this for a minute. The whole idea of this, um, you know, re-look re at our, our justice system, I think is valid. You have to re-look at your justice system every so often to make sure that you're not... Um, you're, you're not missing things, that you've you followed the times, you understand the trends that are going on, and you see maybe different things about rehabilitation. And, and really, that's that's a good thing if we can rehabilitate people uh, who, were, who committed crime so that they don't commit any more crime. It's not that they just get over, they do their time, and they come out and victimize us all again. You know, this is, this is a, a difficult topic for people. And I think a lot of our friends on the left and the far left, there's two different um, groups here, I think. I think there are some people that honestly do believe that the system is is skewed against our minority citizens here in America. That if you're a minority and you commit a crime, you're going to prison. But if you're a, a white person, you're not going to go to prison. Um, I think the reality of the danger of our system is there's just twofold. There's always a little truth in everything. You know, if you have a great lawyer, a very expensive good lawyer... Uh, no matter who you are, your chances are better at getting off because the lawyer knows how to manipulate the court. The lawyer knows how to ask the right questions. The lawyer knows how to present the case in a way that can that can change a juror's mind. And that's really the whole idea when you have a jury is to get the jury to see things your way. Uh, and if you're the defense or the prosecution and you put on the best possible case. So you'd have to look and say that it's not so much a racial component as much it is as a socioeconomic component, right? It doesn't matter if you're a poor black guy or a poor white guy. If you don't have a really good attorney, uh, your chances of being convicted go way, way up. Now, let's back that up a second. Being convicted of something you've been charged with. So the other side of, of, of this concern is that people who didn't commit the crime are going to jail. You know, we're arresting people uh, because, hey, we had a bank robbery. We need to lock somebody up. So, hey, let's go find a black guy and just lock him up and charge him with the uh, with the bank robbery. That's not how it works. You know, it doesn't work like that. We have to look at where crime is coming from, right? And that's who law enforcement goes after. Now, here's the caveat that all of you uh, need to hear that, uh, that are sitting there, you know, taking notes in your basement. Um, here's the caveat that you need to hear. Yes, sometimes there are some bad cops. There are. There's bad people in every profession. There are officers out there who don't like certain groups of people. There are certainly um, people out there who 
do the wrong thing on purpose, who do plant drugs or do something. But those numbers of people that do that are so far and few between, it's, it's almost negligible. Uh, and when we do find someone who's purposely doing something wrong, we purge them from our ranks uh, for the most part. Now, I'm not going to say sometimes it don't go by. Okay, is that enough? Do you, do you get enough there to understand that, you know, I'm not saying every single cop is perfect. They're human beings and they have uh, all the, the traits of good and bad. But my experience, right, I teach and train law enforcement officers all across this country now. And I have to tell you that the absolute majority of the men and women in law enforcement corrections, uh, federal police, local, state, and county police, they, they are very, they are very justice driven. They want to do the right thing. They want to protect, uh, weak people. They want to protect innocent people and they want to go after bad guys and bad girls who are dangerous and do bad things. All right. So I think the, the reality of the, the recall vote in San Francisco with, uh, Chesa Bodine being thrown out of office, uh, which apparently, as soon as they certify the vote, I think it takes place 10 days later, he'll be out. And then the, uh, I guess the, the mayor has to appoint another a temporary prosecutor until they can have an election, I suppose, in November. You know, will they make the same stupid mistake and put another uh, left-wing radical uh, anti-law enforcement person in there? Because San Francisco is a hideous place to go to now. It's filthy. It's dangerous. The crime is out of control. When I saw a program the other day, a news program, and they had a reporter going out and speaking to people who identified as progressive liberals, and they were asking them, "What do you think about the crime?" They're like, "Listen, uh, you know, we want to we want to do everything we can to rehabilitate people, and we want to look at the best for people, and we want racial justice in our justice system, but we don't want dangerous people out there. We don't want this crime running wild in the streets where you can't go out of your house, right?" So it's, it's realities that crime gets to a certain point and then it stops. Now, what I tell the officers that I teach is that most of them are younger. You know, I, I, I retired eight years ago. I've been teaching and training since 2005. And when I talk to them, I say, you know, what does the public think of you today? And they all shake their head and say they don't think very much of us today. I say that's true. Right now, we're in a lull. You know, there's been some bad incidents from law enforcement and they've been highly publicized. There's been some people who've done the wrong thing. Uh, and it's been, you know, on the news and they make it sound like it's every single cop in every single town and every single place. You know, it's just a moment until the cops kill you kind of thing. And that's not true. Um, but that, that 24 seven news cycle that just portrays the police as bad gives people a, a concern. You know, they start to say, well, maybe I should be concerned about the police. You know, what do they do? So when we see that, um, I tell them all the time, I've been in this business long enough to have seen law enforcement go from heroes to zeros and back again. And there's always, um, there's always a push uh, in, in our modern progressive world where the left has control of the media. They absolutely do. There's, they have control of the, the uh, colleges. Uh, so therefore, they have a lot of control in our society. They have uh, their opinion, uh, right or wrong, uh, carries a lot of weight because they carry a lot of the... Uh, of the instruments where information is portrayed, social media. Look at social media and the, the high-tech companies. They're all to the left. The news is all to the left, uh, with, with rare exceptions, and here at America Out Loud. You know, so when we look at that, we see uh, the reality that these left-wing progressive people in San Francisco have pretty much reached their limit of being raped, robbed, murdered, 
cars burgled, stuff stolen out of their stores, people, uh, you know, uh, defecating on the streets, drug addicts everywhere, homeless encampments everywhere where you can't live. There's no quality of life. And they've had enough of it. And they've expressed that with their vote. They went out and took this. I mean, you got to say this Chesedine is probably, Bodine is probably one of the most progressive liberal people we have ever really seen in a position of authority like this. Um, absolutely, all, totally pro-criminal. And what a lot of people don't know is who his parents are. Uh, it's not that this guy is just a progressive liberal, you know, that got into this position. His mother and father were part of the... Um, of the weather underground. They were the drivers and involved in the robbery where two officers were killed. His father was in prison for 40 years because of that incident. And his mother did 20 years in prison because of that incident. Uh, when, when they went to prison, he lived with Bill Ayers, who's another weather underground guy. He's the guy that was with Obama, you know, that started Obama's career uh, in his living room. Uh, the, these are radical left-wing uh, ideologues that are not like our friends who call themselves Democrats. You know, our family and friends, people who are Democrats, most of them are not, uh, you know, these crazy radical left-wing nuts. Just like a lot of our friends who call themselves conservative and Republicans have nothing to do with the radical right that come up with the, the idiocy and the insanity that they come up with, right? Most of us are just somewhere in the middle, one side of that line or the other, uh, and we, we're just trying to have a life. But this guy, uh, Bodine, he, he, was, he was horrific. And the people there, by an overwhelming majority, 60% to 40%, decided to get rid of him, that they have to clean up their city because they can't live there anymore. The people can't live there. So this is where the rubber meets the road. When you actually see these ideas, uh, no matter who the politician is, right-wing politician, left-wing politician, conservative, liberal, when their policies actually hit the ground and people have to live under them, uh, they start to uh, they start to see what it would be like if we continue this, and I think we're seeing that crystal clear now, aren't we? Could we have any more of a defining uh, picture of the two different philosophies—the liberal philosophy and the conservative philosophy—if we simply look at the Trump administration, whether you like the orange man or not? Um, let's look at the conservative policies, the conservative things he did, the conservative judges, um, how our our nation. Uh, was viewed in the world, how we lived, the cost of things in America, and let's compare it to now the totally run by progressive left-wing, uh, lots of radicals uh, in, in the Biden administration and left-wing policy. And we look and see, has our life changed since President Biden took over? Well, of course it has. Can you afford to fill your gas tank? A friend of mine lives in Nevada and he drives golf carts uh, to California. It's, that's their business. They go out and pick up 40 golf carts. They bring them back and repair them, return them back. He's driving his truck and he has to pay, what did he show me a picture of? He's paying $6.69 per gallon of gasoline. It's costing him $150 one way and then $150, a $300 round trip that used to cost him about $110, he said. Now it's $300 to make that round trip. And he does it a couple times a week. That's his business, right? So you got to figure, you know, where's that cost? Where's that extra two, four, six hundred dollars a week coming from? Well, it has to come out of his profits, or he has to charge that to his customers, and that's why the prices go up and up and up and up and up, right? So I think is the question now is going to be, if you see a very liberal place like San Francisco, 
and we see the mess that that city really is. I mean, uh, I was there when I was a kid, and I remember it being beautiful. You know, it was beautiful. So there's the seafront and the, the hills and the streetcars, you know, a classically beautiful American city in a beautiful place, California. And we see the, the destruction of that city because of policies, right? Because of philosophy, not because people are bad or not because people are evil or not because they're this and that and the other thing. It's their policies are wrongheaded and they do not work. That being said, does that mean that some of their ideas are not some things we can look at and say, uh, do they have any merit whatsoever? Should we relook at our justice system? I think the answer is yes, we should. So it's not a bad idea that they have. It's just the components of the concepts that you're trying to work. You know, the idea, the idea being that our, our system is skewed against uh, racial minorities in our country. That if you're a racial minority and uh, people, cops just pick on you and society wants you to go to jail and they want to keep you in prison, and that's, that's not how it works. Law enforcement goes where the crime is. Now, if you look at the crime statistics, go look up FBI crime statistics, they will tell you clearly where the crime is coming from, right? Where the crime is coming from, that's where the officers uh, send their, spend their time. You don't go to a beautiful neighborhood where there is no crime and spend your cop time there. You go to the places where there is crime, where there's robberies, rapes, burglaries, theft, all kinds of things going on, street robberies. That's where you go. Gang activity, right? That's the reality where the officers spend their time. And, and when you go there, a lot of the, the areas uh, are minority areas. You know, if there's, if there's a white neighborhood where there's crime and gang activity and drug sales and robberies, I say go there and lock them all up. I don't care who the person is. I don't care their race. I don't care their ethnicity. I don't care about any of that. You have to go where the crime is. And when we look at statistically, and people don't like to look at the statistics because they want to make an argument um, that cops are just racist and hate people and go after minorities for no reason, instead of looking at the realities of what goes on. Now, look at all this talk about you know gun control. Let's talk about that. Gun control, we're going to put more laws on decent people because criminals don't follow the laws. These shootings are absolutely horrific. The shooting in Buffalo is just one of the most horrific, terrible things because you add the component to it that it was a racial attack. You know, this animal that went after the people there did it because he didn't like Jewish people and he didn't like black people. That, make, that does make it somehow even worse that, you know, the, it wasn't just a random killing, not killing of anybody, no matter what their color is, shooting them down in a grocery store is horrifying. But when you see that people were, were targeted because of their race or because of their, because of their religion, that is even more horrible. It just is. We, we, no, we, there's no way to get around that. That's a terrible thing. We should not have that in America. But to go after the, the legitimate gun rights of American citizens because a a demented, sick person did a bad thing uh, is not right. It's just not correct. Now, what can we do? Um, Matthew McConaughey, uh, I believe he's from Uvalde, where the school shooting was recently. And I believe he, I think he's a decent guy. He seems like a decent guy. And he comes from that, that community. He went back there and he made an impassioned plea from the White House to come together. Right and left, come together and see if we can do anything to stop these, these kind of horrific shooting attacks. You know, is there some middle ground, right? Uh, 
you know, driving a car is a privilege, not, not a right, and we limit the ages. Some places allow you to drive at 15, some places are 17, right? So we make rules about things based on what? The ability of the young people to get behind the wheel of a car responsibly and drive that car without killing themselves or somebody else. So we figure 15 to 17 years old, they're about mature enough to understand the dangers of this and that, and we teach them. And we see lots of young people have lots of accidents because they're learning to drive these cars. Okay, so maybe if we waited till they were 21, would they be any better? They might be more mature. They might be, you know, out of the, you know, racing the car around thing. I, I don't know. So there's a thought there. That's why they do these things. You know, drinking alcohol, right? There's no right to alcohol. It used to be 18 years old, you could drink alcohol everywhere. And now most states have gone to 21. Why? Because at 18, you're not mature enough to handle alcohol and the effects of alcohol. At 21, you're a little more mature. Hopefully that's the idea. So you don't do, you don't make mistakes that you would make if you were 18, right? So when we look at the guns, can we say, is it reasonable to say that somebody at 18 should not be able to buy or possess without an adult being with them uh, a uh, a rifle, right? A semi-automatic rifle. Um, is that reasonable to say you got to be 21 to buy that or to possess it on your own and go hunting with it? So we'd be limiting, we would be definitely limiting a right, right? Because the Constitution doesn't say certain age. It says, uh, you know, you shall not uh, infringe on the rights of the people to possess and bear arms. But would that make common sense, Right? We have free speech and, you know, the, the cliche is you can't scream fire in a, in a movie theater because you cause a chaos. So you, it's not absolute. Um, we, have to, we have to look at, at, at this situation and say, would that slow down any of these, these shooters? All right, so the, the Parkland kid had an AR-15. The kid here in uh, Buffalo had an AR-15. He was 18. We had the kid in Uvalde had AR-15. Um, the Sandy Hook shooter, you know, had an AR-15. Now he didn't he didn't uh, own it. His mother bought it for him in uh, Sandy Hook. But the reality is, would that prevent them from getting it? Well, if if it was 21, the kid in Uvalde who bought them apparently a week before the shooting wouldn't have been able to buy them. Does that mean he couldn't get them? He couldn't steal them? Somebody else could buy from? No, it wouldn't. But would it have slowed him down? Would it have prevented him from committing that attack at that time? I don't know. It, this is an area where we can have a reasonable conversation and try and think our way through this. Simply saying, we're going to get rid of all uh, assault weapons. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, uh, you ask people on the street, and I've seen that a lot of that's pretty funny. They send somebody out and go, you know, people protesting, you no guns, no guns, take away the guns. And I say, what do you want to take away? Assault weapons. What's an assault weapon? And they can't tell you. But it, it's like that, uh, that old saying, they'll know it when they see it. And basically, they look at an AR-15. And because it looks, you know, it's got the plastic stock, the retractable stock, it's got the magazine. It looks scary. It looks very scary. And therefore, it's an assault weapon. What is an assault weapon? Right? Anything is, if I take a, a, a scissor and come at you, uh, I'm assaulting you. That's an assault weapon. I get the idea. They're thinking these are military guns. Uh, because they look like military guns, because they're modeled, right? The, the 223 round, the AR-15, is modeled on the M16, which was the military rifle that came to, came to its fruition there in, uh, 
during the Vietnam era. So it looks like that. It's a 223 caliber round. The bullet is very, very small in there, but it has a lot of powder in the shell that makes it go very fast and it's high velocity. And velocity with a bullet is what makes it dangerous. So people look at it, it's very scary looking. There's a Ruger, uh, it's another game, uh, name brand Ruger weapon um, that my police department had. It was 223 caliber. It was brown wood. It looked like a classic, traditional, you know, hunting rifle. Uh, none of the plastic parts, no removable stocks. It was simply a big piece of wood, uh, and it had a smaller clip. I think the, the clip could hold 10 rounds in this thing. Um, and it's exactly the same gun. And when they show that to people compared to an AR-15, the people point to the AR-15, we got to get rid of that. That's the dangerous weapon. The other one's a hunting rifle. It's the exact same caliber round. It shoots exactly this, the same way, semi-automatic. Every time you pull the trigger, it fires around. So when we, when we look at this, I get the knee-jerk reaction. I get the knee-jerk reaction. Um, we have to do something, right? Nobody wants this to happen again. Nobody wants another classroom full of babies gunned down or, or a, a, a store full of people shopping gunned down or a church full of people gunned down. Nobody wants that. We can prevent that in, in, in many instances. But at the same time, we can't prevent everything, right? I told you back, back in the 1920s, the guy had a problem with the school district and he planted a bomb and killed 50-something kids. Um, you know, Jim Jones used Kool-Aid to kill 900 people. You know, evil people are out there. They'll, they'll do bad things. Yes, Lieutenant Joe, but if a guy's killing people in a school with a knife, he's going to kill less people and uh, it, w it wouldn't be as fast as a rifle. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And you know what? If we took away uh, Chevrolets and Dodges, less people would die in car accidents. If we rode bicycles, you might get killed in a bicycle accident, but less people would get killed in a bicycle accident. Isn't that true? Isn't that absolutely true? How about if we took away all metallic knives, forks, and spoons, and everyone had to use, you know, the spork, like you had when you were in high school, the plastic spork, that if I stuck it with it, you would break before it would go in you. Wouldn't that save us from, uh, from, from stabbings if we just confiscated all the knives? We can be ridiculous about this because, unfortunately, if someone is evil, if someone is bad and they want to do something bad, they're going to do it. So as we, as we look at this this shooting situation and the crime situation that's out there, we have to say, what is the purpose of prosecutors like this guy Bodine, uh, Chesa Bodine, coming out and saying that, you know, we're going to empty the jails because it's not fair. When we look at crime statistics and the people that are in jails are there because they committed serious crimes. You know, I could tell you, I've worked with lots of prosecutors' office. They do not sit there with the case files of who robbed and raped and murdered people and go, well, the white people, we're not going to put them in jail. Let's go after the minority community. Let's put them in jail. And the white people, we'll give them a break. That's not how it works. That is not what happens. Um, and it's, it's ridiculous to think it happens. It depends on who's committing the crimes. When you go to Chicago and we see the number of shootings and murders that take place every week in Chicago, who is committing those crimes? What community is suffering from that? Is it, is it a bunch of white people from the suburbs going into the inner city and shooting down people, shooting our minority brothers and sisters? No, it's people in that community killing each other. Why don't we clean that up? As American citizens, we should demand that our brother and sisters that live in that community get to live safe. Their children get to live safe. They are American citizens. They should not have to live under that kind of terror. We should go in there and clean it out, right? Wouldn't that make sense? 
Doesn't matter who's living there. Doesn't matter who the minority is that lives there or the majority. If you had that kind of crime, it's, it's, in, it's incumbent on our leadership to go in and make that neighborhood safe so that the people that live there and visit there can be safe and secure and not gunned down every single day, every single weekend. Children being killed on the street, playing in, 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 their, in their front yard, sleeping in their beds, getting hit with bullets. But why don't we do that? Why don't we go after that? I'm sure the Chicago PD would love to clean up their city. Oh, well, we can't because it would look bad or too many people would be in jail that wouldn't be the right people in jail. And that wouldn't be justice. Justice means you go after those who commit violence, who are evil, and who hurt other people. It does not matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter who they love. If people are committing crime, you go after the crime. And until we get our head wrapped around that uh, and, and stop conflating the idea of fighting real racism, because there is some real racism. Of course there is, right? We have to fight that. We, we can't allow that in our country. But at the same time, to conflate racism with crime and say, well, if you go after crime and it happens to be our minority people that are committing the crime that we're trying to go after, then it's not fair to pick because, you know, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. The little children who are dying in Chicago and many of our inner, inner cities, right, they deserve to live a crime-free, decent life and have their best opportunity at life. And it's our responsibility as other American citizens to make sure that happens. Not conflate it with, well, you know, we, we want to sh show that, you know, not so many people are in prison from certain groups. So, so we just don't investigate? We don't arrest criminals? Do you see how absurd that is? I'm telling you right now, you can take the, the whitest city in America, and if there was crime in it like there is in Chicago, I'd say you go in there and you lock up every single person that's doing something bad. I don't care the color of their skin. They're all white. Lock them all up. Put them in prison. Protect the rest of the community. That's the mindset we need to have. Not counting numbers of how many people from each group or whatever. How about we look at non-criminals and criminals? How about we categorize things that way? People that commit crime and people who don't commit crime. No matter who they are and whatever color they are, uh, we put them in whatever category they put themselves in. Either they're non-criminal or they're criminal. And then we protect everybody of every race, every color, every ethnicity deserves to live a safe, secure life in their neighborhood, right? And that has to be the responsibility of the authorities, they can't be dancing around, playing all these stupid games because people die every single day that should not. People are injured every single day that should not be. People are assaulted that should not be. Because no matter what, we are all American citizens. All of us, no matter where we're from, no matter where our background is, no matter the color of our skin, no matter who we love, we are all American citizens. And we all deserve to live the American dream. And if that means we have to go after some things that are in our society that are not appropriate, then we change those things. If it means fighting crime, we fight the crime. You know, I, I, get, I get very upset about this because as a practitioner of law enforcement, that is who I went after. I went after the criminals, no matter who they were, no matter where they were. If they committed the crime, it was my responsibility as a law enforcement officer to investigate them, pursue them, and bring them to justice where they would have their day in court 
And then the court would do whatever the court is supposed to do to determine guilt or innocence and any appropriate punishment. But my job was to go out and investigate and bring them to justice, no matter who they were, no matter what color they were. If they committed a crime, they were fair for me to go after. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to think about that a little bit, and we'll be back for more Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Alrighty then. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey, right, uh, from the, the movie Dazed and Confused. Uh, I watched that recently, uh, you know, flipping through the channels, trying to find something. I got 90,000 channels, and you can't watch nothing. It's kind of crazy because there's, uh, there's, you know, lots and lots of movies, but they don't seem to, to do a lot. Um, so you don't have a lot of choices is what I'm trying to say. You think you do. But anyway, I came across Dazed and Confused, and that was Matthew McConaughey when he was young. Uh, in that movie, and it was fun. It was it was a it was a glimpse back um, to the mid to late 1970s and what life was like for teenagers and starting to drive and starting to date, starting to meet people. And you know, you saw the culture. There was the drug culture, the drinking culture, parties in the woods. I mean, there used to be parties in the woods. I went to parties in the woods. That's what people did. We had a big bonfire, and everybody sat around and drank their beer and uh, tried to meet people and and have fun and relax and 
But so that movie is actually a pretty good depiction of that particular time time frame. All right, so let, let's wrap up what we talked about in uh, in our first segment here. You know, the the, the rebuking of Chesa Bodine to get rid of this very liberal prosecutor who refused to put people in jail, refused to prosecute people for all kinds of reasons, um, and was basically a pro-criminal. The idea there that that is social justice, that if you just let people who commit crime, uh, you show them leniency, don't put them in jail, don't hold them to account, that they're going to go, you know what? Society is so much more fair now that I don't need to rob, rape, and pillage. So I think I'll stop. Let me get a job and be a productive citizen now because people are not coming after me. That's that. Do you see how ridiculous that concept and that kind of thinking really is? So this guy being thrown out of office by very liberal people in San Francisco could be the beginning of a wave. Uh, so like I said, I tell the cops, I've been here and I've seen you go from uh, heroes to zeros and back. Well, always, there's always an event that brings the public back to looking at law enforcement and saying, you know what, um, maybe we, we really didn't think properly about our cops. Maybe they do a lot of things for us. And one of the big ones was 9-11. You know, there was, uh, when 9-11 happened, we, we saw the bravery of the men and women of law enforcement, our firefighters, first aid responders, all these people. And we had a new respect for the work that the men and women do out there in our streets every single day trying to keep us safe. And cops went to the top of the list. It was great respect. Everybody liked them. And over time, you know, you get beat up. There's some bad incidences and the, the whole feeling goes down. So I think this might be, might be the beginning of the wave. You know, we're all talking about that now. Is there going to be this big, uh, big wave that's going to throw out many Democrat politicians, liberal politicians, and replace them with more conservative Republicans who are more um, pro pro law enforcement, pro uh, crime fighting, pro uh, life. You know, uh, are we are we seeing that turning point here? Now, there's a long time between the election and where we are now, and there are all kinds of indications that people are really, really sick and tired of. You know, they had they they've had their chance now. All right, we have now seen, like I said, the complete contrast between the Trump administration, conservative. Republicanism, uh, the policies of those people, not the personality of the orange man, the policies of conservatism and how that made our country energy independent, how our economy was booming. There was enough work for everybody. Pay was rising. Gas prices were cheap. Energy was cheap. Uh, We were booming and thriving. Uh, And then we compare it to the Biden administration, which is a liberal left-wing progressive administration. And we see not Joe Biden, the bumbling, stumbling old man, but we see the policies of the left wing and how are they actually working out on the ground. All right, so I wrote an article recently where I said, let's, let's take politics out of things and let's just look at how the policies work out. So do the policies that we see of uh, uh, defunding the police, has that worked out for our society? Uh, New York and all these other big cities, which are now crime-ridden, you, it's unsafe. People are, are just being victimized every day because we cut back on the cops. Not only financially did we cut back, we cut back on the number of cops. Uh, I heard Ruli Giuliani the other was talking about in his administration, there were 41,000 uniformed police officers in New York, and New York was the safest big city in America. 
right? Now I think they're down to 34,000. That's 7,000 less cops. If you had 7,000 cops, could you put a bunch of them on the subways so that people would stop robbing, raping, and throwing people on, onto the tracks and killing them? Uh, yeah, you could if you had 7,000 more cops, right? Wouldn't you make it a safer city, right? So the idea that policy of defund the police, police are bad, uh, leave people alone, don't arrest people, don't hold people to account, and they'll just be better citizens, uh, how does that work out really? Well, it's worked out exactly the way anybody with a brain in their head could see it. If you let criminals be criminals, they're going to commit crime, right? So when we let people know that we're not going to stand for that as a society, we will hold you to account, we will punish you, we will put you in prison for your activities, then people have a tendency to protect themselves and not get involved in those crimes, right? Yeah, you know, if I say you can, you can go to, like a lot of these places have gone to, these, these cities have said, if you shoplift less than $1,000 a day, we're not going to prosecute you. What exactly are you telling people? Well, you can go into a store and you can steal $999 worth of merchandise that doesn't belong to you, belongs to the store owner. You can go steal that and we're not going to hold you accountable. So basically, go ahead and take what you want. Nobody's going to prosecute you. What do you think people are going to do? Well, listen, I can go take $1,000 a day worth of stuff and I'm not going to get in trouble. And uh, maybe in my life, I need stuff. I don't have enough money for the stuff I want, so I'm just going to go take it. All right, that's one thing. You could see, okay, I understand why somebody would steal if they don't have food or, or whatever. But they're not stealing food. They're stealing, you know, all kinds of other stuff. Um, and then there's the other person that says, hey, wait a minute. I can go steal all that stuff, $1,000 a day? Maybe I open a, an eBay account or a, a, an online account and I'll sell that stuff. And I, then I have merchandise for my store that I didn't have to pay for. It's pure profit. I'll go steal $999 a day. The message we send with a thing like that is stupidity. We're telling people, go ahead, commit crime. Nobody's going to come after you. When we say we're not going to prosecute uh, quality of life crimes anymore, because, you know, the people that are getting arrested are not the ones that we think should be arrested. We don't want to do that to a community. So we're not going to prosecute quality of life. Do people just go, okay, then we won't uh, defecate in the street. We won't uh, strong on rob. We won't break into cars. Uh, you know, we won't, do, we won't make it a miserable place for people to live. No. You tell people we're not going to prosecute quality of life crimes and people go out and they destroy the quality of life in a community. See, so the left-wing kind of thinking that it is, the, it is, it is enforcing common, common decency on people who do not want to be commonly decent to everybody else and their neighbors uh, is wrong. That's wrong. That makes people do those things. It's absurd. That's ridiculous. That doesn't make people do those things. People who decide to be criminals, no matter who they are, have made a decision. They're not going to follow the rules. They don't care about your safety and your well-being and your quality of life. They only care about themselves. They're going to go take your stuff. Now, what happens when people steal thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from a store? Well, either the store goes out of business and you don't have a store in your neighborhood, or they turn around and they add that to the price of everything else that you buy, people who don't steal. Now, instead of paying $20 for a watch, you're going to pay 60 for a watch. And you sit there and shake your head and say, well, that's good. As long as, you know, people don't get in trouble, that shouldn't be, you know, you don't want to scar somebody with being a prisoner. Uh, so that's, a, is that really, is that, and how does that help that person? Right? All it lets them do is steal. 
and stealing leads to other crimes and then people get involved in other things. It's not a healthy society that thinks like that. And in many ways, we, we can look at many things in our society and say, how, how, how can we expect a decent, chaos-free society when we enable chaos and things that are not decent, right? How, how can we expect anything more? Let's look at the border, right? Okay, having unlimited numbers of people just walk across our border and come into our country, how does that help the American citizen. Well, it's we're being decent. We're letting people who want to come here just come in because people don't want them because they don't they don't like them. They don't like who the people are. They don't like the color of their skin. And if we let everybody in, that shows we're good. Well, if that's if that's really the thinking, if if people were kept out because the color of their skin, that we don't like people of certain colors, that would be wrong. That would be wrong. We need immigration. Immigration has helped our country. It has helped us to fill jobs and things that we need. But we can go over this a million times. We need to pick people that we need, right? We need scientists. We need engineers. We need this and that. We do need laborers too. We have a lot of American citizens who could use labor jobs. When you just let people walk in, come pouring in over the border unchecked, you don't know who they are. You don't know what they're bringing. And then you give them all kinds of benefits because when they get here, they have nothing. So they're poor. We have to help them. Where does that money come from? Who does that benefit? Well, it benefits the people coming here, that's for sure. It absolutely does. And if that is our goal, to just benefit the poor around the world can just come pouring in the door. Because we're going to help everybody. Um, our country is soon going to drift to a place where none of us can take care of ourselves. We have limited resources here. Oh yeah, there's lots of rich people. There's lots of rich people who have businesses, who have inheritances, and have, uh, have money. And then there's a lot of middle-class people who have a decent life because they work hard, and they, they have a business, or they work for someone, they have a skill set, they're educated. Absolutely. But we can't say, well, uh, we just have to do the, take money from them and give it to those who don't have it and make everyone even, because that does not work. You can't do that. You take, if somebody's working hard, at a business or at a skill or they're doing something and they're being paid very well to do it and then you take their money away and you tell them, well, you're still going to do it. They're going to they're gonna say, well, I'm not going to work that hard. This is common human sense. If you tell people there's no incentive for you to do more, there's no benefit to working harder, uh, everyone gets exactly the same thing, then everyone's going to fall to the lowest common denominator. This is why socialism and communism does not work, has never worked, and never will work. Right? You will have an elite group at the top that will have all the benefits, and everyone else will be equal in their misery and in the uh, the, the, the horror of their lives. Right? So I, I go round and round the horn here because I am caught in a position where I understand what it must feel like to be in a country that's poverty-driven and you can't, you can't have all the things that you see in America and you want. You want to just come here. I get that. And I was blessed to be born in this country. Yes, it was a, just a stroke of luck that I happened to be born in this country and I benefit from it. Um, but you know what? That's, that's the, the roll of the dice. I mean, uh, that's just how that one went. People want to come here. We want people to come here. We need people to come that need, that will help our country, help our economy, help us be better, right? We can't just have everybody pouring in the door. 
And that's unfortunate. And I get that. Can we have some people come in that don't have, uh, you know, brain skills that we need in this? Of course, we can have a certain number of people that we can bring in. Uh, you know, we can't just have open border. When you have an open border and you have chaos, do you see that the chaos that that leads to is a disorderly society, a society that is drained of resources. Uh, you know, we're trying to help people. Oh, we're such good people. We, let, let's virtue signal. Let everybody just come here. And then the communities where people land that don't have the resources to give them food, housing, money, jobs, that don't have, that whole community then suffers. What was the purpose of that? It's okay to protect your own country. It is okay to say, we'll help as much as we can. We can't do everything. Think of you as a person. Do you give to your church? Sure. How much do you give? Do you give your entire paycheck? No, you give what you can afford to give. Sometimes you give a little more because you want to do that because it's the right thing to do. Then your church might use that money to help poor people. That would be a good thing. I, I like to contribute to that. That's a good way for me to do that, to help people, right? But you don't, you, you don't uh, decide to, you know, well, I, uh, the church is going to take my entire paycheck. Well, no, I can't afford my entire paycheck. I can give you this much money. We just don't have the unlimited resources here to take care of millions and millions and millions of people who just want to be here because it's better than where they come from. And that's maybe that's cold sounding. I think it's common sense, though, because we can't destroy. If we have a raft and our raft holds 50 people and we are in the middle of the ocean and we have enough food and water for those 50 people to last for a month when we can be rescued. And then we see two more people swimming. Okay, two people, you can pull them into the boat, right? You can, you can fit 52, and you can make the food last a little longer. You see 10 people. Okay, I mean, 10's a lot. It's a sacrifice, but we can do it. Pull them in the boat. It'll be a little tighter. The food will go a little faster, uh, but maybe we can, you know, we'll get saved in 25 days. You see 150 people coming towards your boat, what are you going to do? Sink the boat with everybody on it? Pull everybody in and then the boat capsizes and sinks or eats all the food and everybody dies in two days? Is that really what we're trying to do? Is this whole thing a suicide pact? Is that really what we're all about? We're a suicide pact, right? We're just going to, we're going to deplete ourselves to the point that we can't function because we want to be good. Is that really being good or is that being stupid? That's all I'm asking. Okay. So I think um, this whole thing, are we seeing the wave going the other way? You got me all wound up here today. I hope you hear. Ted, are you listening? I know you're listening. Ted listens all the time. So, hey, Ted, how are you? Um, they got me wound up today, right? Because I'm trying to do the right thing. I care about people, but I'm trying to make common sense out of this. I'm trying to make good judgments and good decisions. You know, that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to think. We can't just knee-jerk react with emotion. We have to think. We have to plan. We have to do the right thing as best as we can, right, to keep everybody safe, healthy, and happy. We need to protect all of our citizens in every community, right? We're all in this together as United States citizens. So is this the wave? That's the political talk that the Republicans are going to take over at the next election. It's going to be... And I keep saying, I don't know. I don't know that that's absolutely going to be the thing. I, I, the, the evidence seems to be there. Uh, you know, Chesa Bodine getting thrown out in a very liberal place uh, is an indicator. So I think there's lots of indicators. Uh, but I also think, like in Georgia, 
you have a conservative, uh, somewhat conservative governor, and then you have um, his opponent, uh, Stacey, I get Stacey Abrams, I think that's her name. I can't think of her last name. She ran last time and lost. She has never admitted she lost. She said the election was stolen from her. <gasps> have we gone after her? Has there been shows tell, saying that she's nuts, she's crazy, why don't she admit it? No, Hillary, oh, Hillary, oh, she didn't like to admit she lost, right? I'm getting off on a different track here, but you see what I'm saying? So we have this conservative guy in Georgia and the Stacey Abrams running against him, very liberal, and the people of Georgia are trying to make a decision. Do they do they want their state to be really great or do they want a virtue signal and bring in a liberal like Stacey Abrams, who we know what their policies are going to do, right? They're going to be, uh, she's already anti, she's on a board that that's donates money to defund the police, get rid of the police. So all the cities in Georgia are going to be more dangerous. Crime is going to go out of, uh, out of control. They're going to raise taxes on everybody. All to virtue signal. Is that what we're going to do? Is that really a smart thing to do? I don't know. But do we think that that's a po it absolutely is a possibility? So when we think about this big, uh, big red wave that's coming, I think sometimes people do not vote in their self-interest. I think people vote... Uh, for for virtue signaling. I think people vote because they want to be, uh, you know, uh, I did the right thing. I voted for good things. I didn't vote for the orange man and his horrible policies. I want to let everybody come here. And I think they're going to vote for those things. I think it's going to be, um, I think the House will probably go Republican. I don't know if it's going to be a giant red wave. It looks like it's going to be a giant red wave. But when it comes to it, I don't know. I mean, people... And be honest, people do stupid things. They don't vote in their self-interest. You know, how many how many memes have you seen out there in social media? Um, there's somebody showing the gas pump at $6 and they're pumping their gas and they're like, uh, boy, I could go for a $2 a gallon gas and a couple of mean tweets right now. When we look back on it in perspective, um, you might not have liked Trump's personality. Lots of people did. He was very strong. He was decisive. Uh, did he say some stupid things? Yeah. Did he, did he, of course he did. Don't we all say stupid things? Did he tweet some mean things? Did he overreact? Did he have a little thin skin once in a while when somebody said something about him? Yes, he did. Were his policies better for our country? They were. So that's where you get that meme. I'd rather have $2 gallon gas and a couple of mean tweets um, than all this virtue signaling, hand-holding, coddling, and a destroyed economy, a destroyed in industries. Uh, people can't afford anything. The, the inflation rate out of control. What's a better way to live? Uh, dealing with a few mean tweets, ignoring them if you don't like them, uh, and a country that actually works, or seeing what left-wing policies, what progressive socialist policies actually put in place on the ground, running the governments and the, the elements of our governments and our industry and our economy, what they actually look like when they're in control compared to conservative policies. We have a very clear picture right now. Previous administration and this administration. All right, so I, I think, um, I would like to think the American people, all American people, will look at this and go, you know what? We don't need the crime. We need our economy back. We need to be able to take care of our kids. We need honesty in things. And we need to get away from these socialist policies because the evidence of the policies is that they don't work. And they've had every opportunity. They spent trillions of dollars. Uh, you know, they, oh, we didn't have enough money to do it. You've had all the money you want. You control all three houses of government. 
you control all the media, you control the education system, you control everything. And we're seeing how your policies work out. And if I'm just sitting here and I'm trying not to be affiliated, I just look at the evidence, I'd have to say, well, the way it went before was better. The way it was before was better. Uh, when Jimmy Carter was around, the same exact thing happened. The country went into the gutter. We were down. We were depressed. The energy was out of control. We had no money. Rotten. Ronald Reagan came in. Conservative policies. Right? Oh, he fell asleep in meetings all the time. He was a befuddled old man. Sure, you want to say that. You want to rewrite history that way. That's not how it actually worked out. It was the greatest 20-year boom of the economy from the from the first day of the Reagan administration. It took a while for his policies to take effect, but once they did, we had a 20-year boom that lasted uh, for America uh, all boats rising. So I think uh, we need to we need to hope that our fellow brothers and sisters here in America when they go to push the levers will vote for uh, what works. I'm not a big believer that people will do that. I think we might take the house. I don't I don't know. Um about anything else. I don't know if I don't know if it's going to be a red wave or just a red trickle. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either way because I think people people are so locked into their positions. They are so locked into their positions that they would rather vote against their own self-interest uh, than to give an inch that you know maybe 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 it was better under Trump and then, gee I hated that guy and I couldn't stand what he said and I didn't like him but it was better than what we have now. I don't think people can bring themselves to say that. I know lots and lots of people uh, to this day that are uh, that are so anti-Trump, so deranged with anti-Trump syndrome that they, they can't even look at this. They make excuses for this economy. They make excuses for this president. They make excuses for these policies that are ca causing all of these problems. Instead of going, well, you know what? Obviously, these policies ain't working. These concepts ain't working. Uh, let's make a list of the things we need to work on and let's get back to what actually did work and see how we can work together to fix uh, our prison system. Let's see if we can fix our justice system. Um, let's see if we can work together on the problems that we have in society. Uh, but let's do it from a position of having enough uh, fuel and oil that we can all afford, food that we can afford, a plentifulness in our stores, a great supply chain that works like it did for 100 years. Right? It seems common sense to me. And I, I get frustrated because I think ideology, people are so caught up in, they're not going to give an inch. They're not going to admit. These friends and people that I know that are on the left, they will not give an inch that they want to they wanna look at what's going on and say, we're better off now than we were under a Republican administration. I won't even say Trump. We're better off now than we were then. And how can you, how can you, with any, any modicum of reality in your brain, look at what's going on right now in our country and say, we're better off than when the Republicans were running things? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, I am willing to look at things on the left and go, hey, there's some merit to some of the things they're talking about. Let's work on them. They're not willing to say that the other way. And that's our problem. That's our problem. Um, people are so dug into their to their opinion that they're not willing to give an inch because they won't. I won't be a loser. I won't admit it, right? And that's not good for our country. So I think one of the things we're going to talk about uh, in coming episodes here is the choices we all have to make as we go forward. Uh, one of the big choices that looks like it's looming on the horizon 
is going to be 2024. And, and how are the Republicans going to deal? How are we, if you're conservative Republican, if you're on that side of the aisle, how are we going to pick our next candidate? Are we going to run Trump again, who's very popular, uh, who has a very good chance to win? Um, are we going to run him because it would be the best idea? Or are we going to run him because we want to shove it in the face of those on the left uh, and, and put him back in office so that we can say, we won, we won, ah! Or are we going to be so locked in, entrenched to what we want? Or will we consider that while Trump was a good president, he did a lot of the right things. You might not have locked everything about his personality. He was a strong leader, and I liked him. Or should we run Ron DeSantis, who is less controversial, just as conservative, just as good decision-making, um, I think would be a great president. Do we go with him now in this election cycle to avoid the controversy of what happens when Trump runs and how the media loses their mind and every story about him. You know, he, he, pours, he, he, he pulls the wings off of flies. He pulls the wings off of flies, right? We're going to hear all those stories again. Do we go with Trump because he's the right thing to do, right? And he would be the better president. Uh, or do we, do we go with a Ron DeSantis? And, and I, I'm looking at Ron. I mean, I, can't, I, I like uh, a Cruz, but I, I don't know that he has the, the ability to be elected. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis is in a perfect place right now. I mean, he's he's a nice guy, nice family, good decision maker, conservative, proven record, outstanding proven record. So I think that's what we need to talk about uh, amongst ourselves here. Uh, which way are we going to go? What are we going to do? What's in our best interest? So you get what I'm talking about? What's in our best interest here when we do these things? Now, I said I want to talk about the active shooter situation, and I really did, um, and I'm going, to try, I'm going to try and put together a whole episode on active shooter training and what we can do. I'm actually doing a webinar for schools this week uh, to, to help people you know, look at their own safety and security. What do they need to do to figure out uh, to help their schools be safer? So I'll try and put that together and get that out as soon as I can. But I want to thank all of you for being out there, and I want you to think. Right? We all need to do this together. We need to be a team. We need to be a full American team. Everybody, right? Not just one side of the aisle. Everybody. We all need to get together and be Americans together. Just think what's in our best interest. What's in the best interest of our family, our friends, uh, and everything. And do the right things together. So remember, until we meet again, do what's right. Help each other. And uh, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice here on the America out loud radio network.